Chapter Sixteen of On a Donkey's Hurricane Deck. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On a Donkey's Hurricane Deck by Robert Pitcher Woodward. Chapter Sixteen All the Devils Are Here. Get money. Still get money, boy, no matter by what means. Ben Johnson. Indiana swamps, woodland, cornfields, and log cabins were not unlike those of Ohio. On arriving in New Haven two hours after dark, I was quite tired out, and I think my companions were too. We had tramped all day without dinner over a road alternately hard and muddy. I would have stopped to rest at a small place called Zulu but the name sounded so cannibalistic that I looked to my firearms and hurried past. Next day I registered in Fort Wayne. After calling on the genial mayor, I set out to inspect the city and see what my chances were, for I found the outlook for my delivering a lecture discouraging, and although for several days I had barely made expenses, did not attempt money-making there. Fort Wayne is notable for its great car shops and the Indiana school for the feeble-minded in the morning I boarded a car and rode a mile and a half out of town to the latter the large building of brick and terracotta viewed in its expansive setting of well-groomed lawn and gay potteries presented a picture of architectural beauty the superintendent welcomed me cordially although it was not visitors day and graciously showed me through the interesting institution its neatness the clockwork regularity with which the several departments are conducted and the great variety and detail of the mode of instruction given the five hundred and fifty idiotic inmates were a revelation to me many of the advanced scholars were making and mending their clothes and bedding something i couldn't do i fear the idiots are carefully attended day and night Never before did I see a natural-born, bald-headed person. Here was one, a funny-looking girl, and I was told she had several brothers, sisters, parents, uncles, and aunts, all bald from birth. A distinguished family, indeed. I wondered whether her disappointment was as great as that of Pie Pod, who once possessed a head of hair, and then lost it. I have heard it said people who never had money know not its value, and presume it so with their heirs. For mortals deprived of reason, the place is surprisingly quiet. The halls are tiled, the floors of the rooms are waxed, and all are so slippery that the inmates are unable to romp, which is probably the reason for such stillness. Whenever they gain sense enough to be boisterous, like sane and healthy children, they instantly fall on their craniums on the polished floor and are rendered insensible. I was interested in a group of little girls who were being taught a game. One wee child with a big head, bigger than I had ever been accredited with, was sitting in an invalid's chair with her head resting in an iron prop, because it was too heavy for one body to support in those hard times. And seated around in ordinary chairs were epileptic, paralytic, cross-grained idiots etc so far advanced toward health and sanity by careful training as to play a game while the great object of this school is to provide the unfortunates with a comfortable home and prevent intermarriage 
A few are graduated every year and transferred to the large farm owned by the institution. I heard the feeble-minded brass band play its music, I thought quite equal to that of many normal bands that I had heard. The birthdays of great men, excepting that of Pythagoras Pod, are celebrated, and birthday parties given. The superintendent drove me back to town, and urged me to fetch my donkey out to entertain the idiots, and invited me to dine with him. So, not telling Mac about the place, I rode him to the home, where I found my host and his assistants ready to receive us. Shylock there will assist you, said the superintendent, pointing to a humpbacked inmate. When we got Mac to the hall entrance, the circus began. Two attendants helped Shylock boost the donkey, while I guided his head, and we managed to pitch the beast headlong into the slippery hall, where he landed three times in succession, first on his knees and heels, second on his tail, and third on his back. I think he imagined he was on ice, for he lay perfectly still, afraid to move. The hall floor was cleared, but a bunch of idiotic heads stuck out of every doorway, and peals of hyenish laughter reverberated through the building. Finally we got Mac on all fours, and I rode him slowly down the hall, amid the hysterical shouts and screams of the physically strong, if feeble-minded children, and talking, yelling, and commanding attendants, all of which so frightened my sensitive mount, that he squatted down on the floor, rolled over on his side, and brayed. Did you ever hear an ass bray in any confined space? It is awful. These unmanageable pupils and their overtaxed preceptors fairly went mad, while Mac yelled, Hell is empty, and all the devils are here. The hall was now a swarming, uncontrollable mass of unbridled lunacy in human mold, romping, tumbling, fainting, and taxing the united strength and strategy of the surprised officials to bring order out of chaos. The jackass went into a veritable fit, kicked the plaster off the walls, shattered an incandescent light globe, nearly rolled on top of an idiot who took him for a pussycat, and brayed himself hoarse. Suddenly he leaped to his feet, and ran a-kiting down the tiled hall floor until it turned, and then he tried to turn, and flopping off his feet came down on his vertebrae. As soon as we could get him out of doors, I handed him over to Shylock and went into dinner with a laughing superintendent. I never want another experience like that. The disappointing feature about the show was that probably not one idiot would remember it over to the next day. The following morning my party set out over a black, muddy road. Thrifty-looking farmhouses, many of them of brick, were scattered along our route, and sheep and cattle basked in the sunshine on the south side of straw stacks, often attracting wistful glances from my long-eared partner. Arriving at Cherubusco, I put up at a comfortable hotel near the railroad, where the noisy passing trains kept me awake most of the night and resumed the journey next day after lunch. Some four miles beyond the village we came to a new iron bridge, without its approaches filled in. No workmen were about. A single two-by-twelve plank was stretched from the bank to the bridge at both ends to enable people to cross, but evidently quadrupeds were supposed to ford or swim the stream. 
I tarried some moments thinking what best to do when presently a countryman happened by and helped me carry a plank from the roadside to widen the bridge approach for my donkey to walk what an ass Mac was he attempted to walk the plank sideways and consequently fell into the deep miry hole almost into the stream I feared he had broken his back but he escaped injury the farmer helped me uncinch the saddle and get Mac up the steep bank on to the road and then we transferred the plank at the other end of the bridge to that end and made a three plank footbridge finally we got Mac on to the bridge proper and by transferring the three planks to the other end I managed to overcome the obstacle and proceeded on the journey after a loss of two hours my hat had anticipated the animal into the hole and was flattened by his weight thereafter it supported a gable roof two hours after dark we came to a barn that looked roomy and airy and as the next town beyond wolf lake was so far away i concluded we might as well take possession of it for the night the barn door wasn't locked so i led my animals in and struck a match no horses were visible but a box stall contained a cow and a calf prowling about with lighted matches I discovered a buck sheep hiding behind his wool in fear of my big dog I found a measure of grain for Mac and assigned Don to a pile of hay near the door and then tucked myself in some straw and drew my Macintosh over my shoulders prepared for a night's rest I was almost asleep when the calf bawled again when on the brink of Lethe the sheep bleated Suddenly my restless donkey kicked a board off the side of the barn and set Don to barking I yelled shut up again the dog barked the next second he made a leap in the dark Followed by a loud commotion and at once the atmosphere indicated plainly what kind of an animal the dog was after I couldn't get out of the door without running the lines which seemed perilous indeed Mac kicked and brayed as he never had before and my dog was running around the barn trying to get away from the atmosphere or something And I was as busy as the rest endeavoring to bury myself in the straw Presently the dog and the buck sheep went to settling some misunderstanding Fighting like demons the cow and the calf then began to bellow in a discordant duet and fearing lest any moment the cow would break the bars of her stall and enter the general fray I dug all the harder in the straw all at once amid the obscured exciting scene and above the tumult i detected an agonizing groan and suspected don was squeezing the life out of the sheep or the calf or the nuisance but when it was all over and i heard the victim gasping in its death throes it was plain that my dog had shaken all the strength out of our unwelcomed guest it was impossible for me to go to sleep in that great airy barn I crawled out of the straw and got my donkey out of doors as quickly as possible as for Don I felt indifferent about his joining our company if he proposed to be familiar on Over the deserted highway we groped our way the dog sneezing coughing and rolling by the roadside the half suffocated jackass breathing hard and braying faintly for more air and I soliloquizing vociferously about the existence of useless creatures the wind blowing head-on I kept some distance ahead of Mac and threw mud and stones at the dog which now seemed particularly fond of his master and Continued my tirade against such obnoxious things as we had lately run against 
Every creature has some redeeming virtue Macaroni remarked after a while Above all things don't belittle the skunk. He's the best financier in the world He could go into the stock exchange and bull the market with one cent and all the members together couldn't bear it Mac was ever doling out to me unwelcome philosophy under trying circumstances We reached Ligonier a fine little town eleven miles away the next day in time for the one o'clock dinner Since entering Indiana I had not made expenses and my little reserve fund was vanishing I had been told that Ligonier was a money town and its people liberal So I tried to secure a hall for a lecture but failing I spoke my piece in the street fully 200 persons assembled to hear me and encored enthusiastically I concluded with passing my hat and collecting 32 cents I talked again three hours later on the same spot and was rewarded with a contribution of three cents I think that collection for a lecture is a record-breaker Goshen was reached next day by 5 p.m. The scripture speaks of Goshen as the land flowing with milk and honey But as I have been told I am somewhat rusty on biblical history at any rate I looked forward to replenish my depleted exchequer here if I had to resort to extreme measures Before retiring I made up my mind. I was going to be awfully disappointed with Goshen the people of the section of country I had threaded from the Ohio boundary were incredulous superstitious penurious and suspicious and those characteristics seemed to reach their superlative in that particular town Monday dawn still and sunny an ideal day for hanging out clothes, but not shingles I hung out mine nevertheless It was essential to Mac's welfare and to mine to say nothing of the dogs a Drummer showed deep interest in my pilgrimage and I asked him how he made out with his business. I Had failed signally he said he was glad I spoke to him on the subject and drew me aside See all the thrifty looking wagon teams hitched on the two sides of the courthouse square said he see those squads of grangers standing around waiting for something to turn up well every stranger is looked upon with suspicion if he attempts to drum up a new business among these fossils he is immediately branded a fake after i had made two unsuccessful trips to this section i vowed i would make the third one a success a fake article sold by a first-class imitation drummer would just about catch these people and ever since that day I've been unloading on them and reaping a big harvest do you see the moral I said I did and thanked him after lunch during which I was accredited extremely thoughtful I drew my friend aside and whispered I have it I'll buy some axle grease and mix it with sweet oil and sell it for eye salve the drummer eyed me as he might a wonderful character felt of my head and said I'd win out at once I went to a drugstore for some pill boxes blank labels and perfume and to a hardware store for axle grease and sweet oil and then retired to my hotel room and mixed my eye elixir as soon as my magic healing wares were ready to put on the market I hunted up a sore-eyed tramp I had seen on the street that day and promising him a percentage of my receipts got him to assist me to get even with the folks he too had a grudge against when I was fairly started on my eloquent talk about the virtues of eye elixir the tramp walked up with the quarter I had given him 
and asked for another box saying to the crowd he'd been looking for me all over the country and was glad to find me for his eyes being almost well from using the first box began to get worse when he had no more salve which was the only thing that ever helped his sore eyes he said if he could afford it he would lay in a lot of it for future use not knowing where he could get any more then a boy stepped up and bought a box and an old woman bought two boxes and the sales proceeded so fast when one started that i soon sold out and took in seven dollars selling twenty-seven boxes of eye elixir besides the box i had sold to the tramp i paid him one dollar for his services with which he was delighted this left me a net profit after deducting the cost of making the salve of four dollars and ninety cents paying my expenses in town and leaving me a small balance then i cleared out of goshen as quickly as possible oh shakespeare how truthfully you said what fools these mortals be i resolved that when i should return east i would go by ship around the horn or by train across the isthmus or else choose a transcontinental route which would give that section honeyed and milked by pie pod a wide berth end of chapter sixteen